0: All right, guys, it's that time again. Welcome to Flashback Fridays with over 500 episodes, soon to be 600. We wanted to bring back some of our favorites, and this week we are bringing you an interview that we had with Academy Award winner Morgan Neville, and he has a documentary that has just been released today check out times today. You can find it. It's called Roadrunner, and uh, it's about the life of Anthony Bourdain. It's moving. It's incredible for anybody who's ever loved Anthony Bourdain. And even if you don't know a lot about him, it's it's such a great film, and uh, we highly recommend it. And Morgan Neville just keeps upping his game. Um, but we are bringing you back to 2018, when we had him on the show for Won't You Be My Neighbor, where he chronicles yet another iconic figure, Mr. Rogers, And uh, Morgan is just such a kind, empathetic man. We had a great time talking to him and uh, we hope you enjoy this interview. So have a great weekend, guys. Take care. Hi, welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Ange coming to you with episode 281 with the super talented director of Won't You Be My Neighbor, Morgan Neville. Uh, This is a documentary about Mr. Rogers. Who doesn't want to know more about Mr. Rogers? We all miss him. We all love him. Uh, He helped us through many turbulent times as children, and he helped start a movement where we really need to care more about kids' emotions. And I think that doesn't happen enough today either. So I hope you enjoy our interview with him. It was really a pleasure to sit down and and hear what he learned uh, about going back into Mr. Rogers' life and uh, who the person he was. So enjoy.
1: So you made a little movie uh, called Would You Be My Neighbor Uh, about Fred Rogers. Um, I'm going to start off a little serious mm-hmm. because it, it was we saw it i think the week after the march for our lives mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. movement uh, and rally so at least the one in san francisco they talked about toxic masculinity and how we need to change that idea um and then we saw mr rogers mm-hmm. in what should be my neighbor you he was the close, polar opposite no. of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. um do you want to talk a little bit about that and and was this your plan for that topic to be discussed?
2: I mean, I think my plan was for radical kindness to be discussed. I mean, I think when I really tried to digest what Fred Rogers' message was, it was radical kindness. And kindness doesn't get a lot of time in our media. It's not very sexy. Mm. It doesn't sell a lot of tickets. It You know, it's a lot easier to govern people or make money off of people through hatred and fear and bigotry than it is through kindness. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean that kindness isn't hugely important. And I feel like the political market forces we have don't push us towards that. So I wanted to make a film to at least kind of discuss the value of civility, essentially. Mm -hmm. When Mr. Rogers is talking about Won't You Be My Neighbor, he's saying what kind of a society do we want to build? And to be a good neighbor is to be a good citizen. So Mm -hmm. he's trying to really model these ideas to kids, basically um, trying to teach people how to be good humans, teach kids basic humanist values of how we should treat each other and what kind of community we should have together. That, to me, was the thing that made me want to make the film in the first place, you know, in terms of his... um, his image and his masculinity, I mean, that's part of it for sure. And I think something that's so interesting about him is that he is this very different form of mm-hmm. adult male figure in our culture. You know, he's somebody who, um, you know, was endlessly made fun of and ridiculed and people said that he was gay. They said that he was a wimp. They said that he was... Um, You know, not to be taken seriously, and I think the film, in a way, is trying to answer that and say, this guy was the most willful, the most purposeful, you know, the most Mm, kind of thoughtful. (laughs) He's the dad you really want to have. Mm -hmm. He's he's, and essentially, that's what he was for many, many, many kids. I mean, I think what he saw was that there was going to be a generation of children who were going to be raised by this new medium, television. Who were just essentially going to grow up in front of a television who needed a parental figure and he was going to try and provide that not to be the substitute parent but to be a parental figure an adult figure that could help raise people and present a certain type of point of view on how we should all behave right you know i mean that that's the kind of radical thing he was doing <laughs> it's not you know doing the tv show was like the the collateral damage like he didn't want to be famous he didn't want to right. do a TV show he just wanted to get the message out and TV was the medium mm-hmm. um, but I think if he could have done it all and not been famous he would have done it in a nanosecond
1: Can I ask about um, spoiler alert to our audience but um, the conversation around him maybe he was gay or not because I remember growing up and watching him because he wasn't the masculine figure you saw everywhere else it kind of was like Maybe something's a little different about him, but was it weird going into that space and talking about that portion of his life, or it just felt very natural because everyone kind of
2: wondered? I think I think we had to talk about it, okay? Because everybody wondered about yeah. it. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I'm um, glad you went there because I was like, oh, good. Yeah. I feel I yeah. feel okay that I you had
0: to kind of have a rounded.
2: Yeah, and I don't. I didn't want to make a film and people say, well, they didn't. You know. They didn't want to talk about it because obviously he was gay, and I said, "Well, if he is or isn't, right. or let's you know, we have to discuss it." You know, and I think, um, and I brought it up with many people, including his wife, who's like, uh, you know, <laughs> said a lot of people think thought he was gay, and he's like, "Well, he wasn't, right. you know. <laughs> but he, you know, his circle of his best friends, it's, um." It's interesting because it seemed like half, you know, many of them, he was friends with many, you know, Johnny Costa, his longtime piano player, like musicians, preachers, and gay friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like his, his circles of people he spent the most time with. You He's know. really evolved. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. He's an evolved human being. Um, yeah. and. You know, there were a lot of you know gay people who worked on the the show mm-hmm. who were very close with him, and and, uh, and you know I think he was super comfortable with that, um, and and um, and enjoyed that, um, and you know I'm just thinking of all the stories I, I heard, but it's not, um, but in a way, I think part part of what we end up talking about in the film is like what people want to do in our culture is say well then you've got to be gay or you've got to be closeted or um, you can't be this way you can't just be um, you know, a kind of just a really soft good person. Yeah. It's easier to believe that you're you're
0: you're gay. It's not that yeah. you're just kind. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's the same reason people were saying, "Oh, he's got to be a sniper," you know, <laughs> with, well, covered with tattoos. Yeah, you know? that's the
0: funny thing. You're kind of keeping your fingers crossed, like yes. please don't have some skeleton come out. Like we don't need another fallen hero, but you do show this side of him that is very human. He wasn't perfect, and he did at one point. Um, Tell I'm forgetting his name now. Yeah, Yeah. to maybe you should stay in the closet so you can keep your job Mm -hmm. And you know, he didn't always make the best decisions. He was also flawed Mm -hmm. and that's important to note too.
2: Yeah I mean, I think one thing that Joanne Rogers mrs. Rogers said to me when we before we started making the film she said um, don't make Fred into a saint
1: Hmm. and I think Hmm.
2: that was so wise of her Um, and what I think she meant was um if you sanctify somebody like Fred Rogers, then it's saying that he didn't have to work for it and that we don't have to try and live up. You know, that somehow mm-hmm. saints exist on another plane and, oh, he was just great and people like that will take care of things. But if you realize that he struggled with things, that he had to work at things, that it it means that we all have to do those things too. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's also it shows that he's dimensional, you know, saints tend to be two dimensional. And, and I think Fred was very much a three dimensional person. So I think he evolved over time, um, in a big way. And I understand, you know, it's, he's at the kind of nexus of, um, you know, the times, his own history, children's media funders, like it's a complicated arena. Um, but I think ultimately he ended up on the right side of pretty much every issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't even go into it much in the film, but he was, you know, he was a vegan. He was a oh, really? environmentalist. Wow. I was going to ask you,
1: what did you find out about him that was surprising for you? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of things, but if you want to speak to that a little bit more. Yeah. I
2: mean, it's, uh, we did, you know, he was a pacifist, <laughs> you know, he said he didn't want to eat anything that had a mother. Hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: no don't start i know i was she, sorry she, i was ugly crying at the end <laughs> yeah. of your film and she looked at me she's like are you okay i'm like no yeah I'm she said no i'm okay. not okay
0: yeah. <laughs> i'm like okay i'll leave you alone for a minute We yeah. just sat there watched the credits calm down
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well it takes you back to your childhood of course mm-hmm. i grew up watching mm-hmm. mr rogers at my babysitter's house mm-hmm. i remember four o'clock um but it's Sorry, I'm thinking about ugly crying. Um, (laughs) Is the it's the timing of it? It just yeah, that's what I want to It's close to home. (laughs) Purposeful Mm -hmm. in in terms of Mm -hmm. what we're going through now. Your timing. I I mean, things fall into your lap. I started
2: the film. You know, a couple of years ago, right? Um, But I think the issues we're talking about also existed two years ago. If anything, I feel like the moment we're in is just a much more acute version of a evolution of our culture that's been going on for a long long time right. so mm-hmm. me responding essentially responding to listening to Fred give you know as I was thinking about making the film and watching videos and reading about him and I was like this guy is amazing kind of I so didn't understand the depth of what he was doing mm-hmm. <laughs> as a kid of course um but now as an adult and as a parent I'm like oh I I'm blown away by what he was doing and so to me it was a voice that was absent in our culture that I just wanted to bring back a little bit and talk about and use as a way to ask a bunch of questions from an audience and from all of us about about um, you know how we should treat each other and what kind of community we should have and mm-hmm. these kinds of issues like I said at the beginning which which are about kindness and about the kinds of things that um, they don't get a lot of, a lot of air time so, um, so Fred was really, for me, just a, a way of a, like a started as a very personal film. Like this is a voice I want to spend time with. And this is a kind of voice I don't hear much. Mm-hmm. Um, but now to kind of, when we finished the film and then now just starting to screen it for people being like, Oh, other people, <laughs> have a, their own kind of relationship with him, too. Mm-hmm. And they're it, yeah. Basically, all the things we were hoping people would get out of the film, they seem to be getting out of the film, which is great.
1: Yeah. Did the family, are they proud of the film? And the great.
2: Okay. Yeah, I flew back to Pittsburgh and sat in Fred's house with Mrs. Rogers. Um, <laughs> it's so weird. It's, it's so weird. I know. And, and <laughs> in their real. living room, I screened the film for her when it was finished. Oh. oh. And, which was intense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at I'm the end sweating of it, just thinking yeah. about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I know. At the end of it, she turned and said, "Fred would have loved this." Oh. And I just oh. thought, like, "Oh, okay." Like that's the best review I'm ever going to get. Exactly. Right. That's it. Yeah.
1: That's all you needed.
0: That, yeah. And and I love that because uh, I love the the fact that there was kind of a sense of urgency. Like we need to tell this story right now because of what's going on in our world. We need to remind people. Um, but it was also a, ch- a very charmed production from what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Everything, the funding came right away. Yeah. It it happened a lot faster than you thought. You had access yeah. to all of these old videos from his family. It was, it kind of just ran smoothly, as smoothly it as it can. Know, people, yeah,
2: like, you know, somebody asked me, you know, when I first, we were premiering the film and, and somebody sent this questionnaire and said, you know, tell us about the most difficult parts of making your film. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I don't know, like, the difficult part was the film was like charmed in a certain way mm-hmm. um and also i felt like even the making of it and the editing like all of us working on the film like we were all infected by the Mr. Rogers thing. Like it was like a big kumbaya kind of production. It had to like, been watching all that footage yeah. of
0: him and hearing him speak. We
2: all got into the gestalt of Mr. Rogers <laughs> and we were like, it was like, God, that was like the most therapeutic thing I could have done in 2017, you know, was, right. <laughs> was work on this film. Right. You know, in fact, it was like my little, you know, place to think about something positive at a time where there didn't feel like there's a lot of positive stuff happening. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, even the people of Pittsburgh, where he lived Mm and where you filmed, they were even telling you, like, don't mess it up. This is an important story, right? You got a little pressure from them.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Because he's one of those few cultural figures left who you feel like um, transcends so much of where we're going. We've seen so many people um, who we thought were... um, more elevated figures uh, fall from grace. Uh, yeah. So you know it's so to find out that Fred is not only kind of who he was on camera, but actually was like a better version of who he was on camera in real life, like an even deeper thinking, more profound, more willful version. He was of a warrior. He, was. he fought for yeah.
0: public TV. Yeah, for public TV. Yeah, he was just and more than anything. He,
2: yeah, I mean, his what he would always say is like, "I'm fighting for children." You know, and that where most people who deal with you know most people in children's media are trying to sell sugar and toys. Yep, and always mm-hmm. have been Push, you know,
1: pushers. You mm-hmm. know,
2: mm-hmm. he turned down every merchandising deal. He refused to make money off the show.
1: Wow.
2: you know that he didn't want. <laughs> of he course. said, "I don't want to be. I don't want to be selling stuff to kids. I have a relationship with. He saw his his relationship with his viewers as truly that. Like if that's why. At one point, he was getting more letters in America than anybody else, and he responded to every single letter he got. So he would spend – it was like a big part of his weekly schedule was just correspondence, um, and he kept – every letter he ever got and every response he sent oh, she... more than a million pieces
1: do they still have, have that? You seen they it? have it have all
2: you... yeah oh. they even published a little book of some of the best letters in his responses oh, which really? is a great book to check okay. out oh. what is it
1: called i want uh, to i need to look called? this up we, we, we'll google you it it's, can, fine. Google it's fine we it. have you know, yeah we have computers <laughs> and, and iphones and you things. know and
2: like yeah there's so many good letters in there and at one point i was gonna i actually had a bunch of kids read letters that had been written to him and we were maybe going to use it in the film and Ultimately, we didn't need it, but mm-hmm. but I love the letters. I just love that kind of direct communication.
1: I was going to ask it because we have to wrap it up. But do you see this project evolving more so than or more than just the documentary? Or
2: I mean, I would love it to. You know, I feel like um, you know those of us who make documentaries generally do it because not love just it. because we want to entertain people, no. but also because <laughs> we want to, in some way do something Mm -hmm. (laughs) positive or informative or you know so i feel like um fred rogers is a great kind of way for us to have a real deep conversation around civility and kindness and positive influence at a time where it feels very absent so we're looking at a lot of different ways we can maybe kind of build campaigns or social outreach i mean not not to mention education and children's education which is like an obvious thing Mm -hmm. um to do with the film but hopefully something more so you know we're kind of at the beginning of this whole thing and Mm -hmm. hopefully this whole year we can keep pushing it and you know i feel like um yeah it's just a really good time to be to be talking about these things
1: it's a really good time to be kind
2: Oh, it's yeah. always a good time to be kind. Right, <laughs> but right? especially now yeah,
1: yeah well you have our full support as Bitch Talk yeah contrary <laughs> to the name of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah bitch means a lot of different yeah. things yeah, you know? yeah.
0: context yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly
1: well we support this film we love this film we uh, miss Mr. Rogers um, but thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for making this film
2: sure thing thanks guys
1: So that was
0: our interview with Morgan Neville, director of the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It it was really funny because after Erin and I had watched it, I had been hearing her sobbing for the last 10 minutes of the film. And, And I teared up at certain points, but it wasn't like a loud sob. So when the credits rolled, I turned to her. And I was like, are you okay? And she was like, no. <laughs> uh, this is definitely a, an emotional film. It's easy It's easy to think that everybody's evil and against each other, but there really are beautiful people out there and uh, people with empathy, and, and we need more of that. So I'm hoping that this documentary not only gives you a little bit of hope, but uh, inspires you to be kinder to people and to be um, more understanding of, of people, and especially children and and." their emotions. Uh, So thank you very much, Morgan Neville, for your work. If you don't know him, he also directed 20 Feet from Stardom, which he won an Academy Award for. And I'm hoping he's up on the list again this year because uh, this documentary was amazing. Be sure to visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to get in touch with us on social media and to hear past episodes. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. Give us a comment. How often are you asked to rate people? We want you to rate us. Let us know what you think. Give us any suggestions. Uh, We love hearing from you. Thanks a lot.